Hey friends, I hope you're all staying as safe and healthy and comfortable as possible, and that you're taking care of all the people and pets and plants that are important to you. The French filmmaker Jean-Luc Godard died last month at the age of 91. I don't often talk about movies on this show. The older I get, the more particular I find I am in regard to my tastes in cinema, but I am a longtime fan of Godard's work, and in particular his films with actress Anna Karina, which I first discovered via my local library. Godard's use of, of sexuality, music, and popular culture, as well as humor, always appealed to me. The characters in Godard's films often hang out in diners and pool halls, they go to record stores, and they have interesting conversations. I always felt like these were people I'd like to know. Godard made films in a variety of genres, and as he got older, he continued to push boundaries, making more experimental films that were sometimes hard to follow in terms of plot, but no less visually interesting, and these films could still uh, contain trademarks of his earliest works. Jean-Luc Godard made over 40 films. He worked right up into his late 80s. Any person who does anything creatively, either professionally or as a hobby, should be so lucky. Jean-Luc Godard was and is one of my heroes. Rest in peace, Jean-Luc Godard. You're listening to the People Are the Enemy podcast. I'm the host of the show. My name is Andy Mascola. There are no ads on People Are the Enemy, and there is no Patreon set up for it. The only thing I've ever asked of listeners is if you love the show and if you'd like to help support it and myself monetarily and get yourself or the reader in your life some quality fiction, please consider purchasing any or all of my novels. I'm the author of 10 books that are all currently available for purchase worldwide in both ebook and paperback formats via Amazon. And if you don't use Amazon, you can buy all 10 of my titles in ebook format at Google Play. My 10th novel, The Peeper and the Playwright, which was just released last month, is available for purchase now. I, I, I've gotten some very positive feedback from folks who've read it. I'm exceedingly proud of this new book. You can read the first couple chapters of it for free at Amazon. Uh, on episode 247 of this very podcast, I read a nice chunk of the story. Please check it out. If you, if you like what you hear, you're going to like the book, I promise. The Peeper and the Playwright by me, Andy Mascola, available now. If you've already purchased any or all of my books, thank you, thank you, thank you. I sincerely appreciate your generous patronage. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. the enemy listeners this is episode 249 of the people are the enemy podcast thank you so much for checking it out thank you for spending time with me it's good to have you along good to see you we haven't had this time together in a while have we it's nice right and i've been saving up stuff so i've got some stuff to share with you today yeah yeah now you know i don't like to talk about 
you know who I've and and <laughs> by you know who I mean I mean Kanye West. I don't like to bring up his name too much, but he's been in the news a lot lately for saying controversial things. And uh, and in in my uh, my journeys through social media, in particular TikTok, I've come up uh, I've come across some interesting interesting people saying some interesting things about Kanye. And one of those I wanted to share with you right now. This was this was quite interesting. I I. Don't know if I agree with this, okay? But it is an interesting theory about uh, Mr. West's behavior. And when I say Mr. West's behavior, I mean his um, uh, <laughs> his, uh, his controversial behavior, let's say, okay? This was posted uh, by somebody called World of Whispers on TikTok. Uh, it's a, a, a um, clip of Charlemagne, a.k.a. Charlemagne the God, <laughs> from uh, The Breakfast Club, a syndicated uh, New York morning radio show. Uh, it's uh, And it's kind of interesting. And this is, I don't always agree with the folks on The Breakfast Club. I do tune in every now and again. I don't often agree with Charlemagne the God. I consider him a, a poop stirrer, if you know what I mean. He likes to stir it up, for sure. So he's always saying uh, provocative things during, uh, during interviews to try to get a reaction out of the guests. <laughs> <laughs> on their morning show. That's kind of his job. But uh, but I thought this was quite interesting. And again, do I agree with it? I don't know. It's uh is it uh, insightful? Yeah, a little bit. Sure. It's is it is it one man's perspective? Yeah, it's one man's perspective. And um and again, I uh I guess it's a theory, okay? You could check it out with me right now. We'll listen to it together and and uh I'll let it speak for itself. Again, this is a uh, Charlemagne the God on his morning radio show, or on the morning radio show, rather, that he's uh, a part of, along with Angela Yee and DJ Envy. And uh, and he's speaking about uh, his theory on Kanye acting the way he is, in particular the way he's acted the last uh, week or two. Okay, check it out. Here it is. Still give Kanye exactly what he wants, and that's attention. Now, now everybody talking about him and his fashion show, he knows exactly what he's doing, and people fall for it every time. And I've said this a million times, and every time I say it, folks call me a hater. But the reality is, there's not too many people in the world who openly seek white validation like Kanye was. And whenever he's going through something, whenever it's beef with a corporation, beef with his ex-wife, he becomes so pro-black. But when he's up and things are fine, it's slavery with a choice. Black people focus on race too much. And when he's in these circles like he was in Paris at that fashion show, it's white lives matter. Kanye West loves white validation he longs for it and it amazes me that folks let what they already know make them mad yes there you go look again i don't know if i agree with that 100 percent. It, it's interesting but i suppose it would explain a lot in the term in terms of um how he does kind of um seesaw back and forth in between those opinions and i've, I've said this before about folks who keep themselves in the media saying controversial things in order to basically keep uh, their face in front of yours, you know, uh, especially when they have something to promote, and that's uh, particularly suspicious. Uh, and I've said this before, you know, you vote with your dollar, folks. Like, and I put this up on Twitter. I, you know, I have said this many times. Like, do not give these people money if if their if their ideology is hateful, or if they're saying something that's uh, that's that's uh, you know outright um, hateful, you know stop stop giving them your money don't buy kanye's products you know don't don't buy his music don't buy his his clo clothing line you know it's just stop just you know if anything i learned as like a kid it was that you know you hit you hit them in the wallet you know and why do i tell you that because it was done to me yeah 
When I was a kid, if I was, if I was acting poorly, if I was doing something uh, despicable or hateful or, you know, just a, um, that gave my parents shame, <laughs> and they would, they would hit me where it hurts. They would, they would, uh, they would say, all right, no allowance this week. I, I'm sure you probably experienced something similar, but right then I learned like, holy moly, I gotta, I gotta straighten myself out. Otherwise, uh, you know, I'm not going to have any money for candy or comic books. <laughs> yeah, okay, I, yeah, I don't know, you know, I just feel like, I feel like that's, that's the best way to, um, you know, I imagine it's sort of like a boycott. You can boycott anything in this world, obviously, and, and a lot of companies who uh, do despicable, uh, behave despicably, you know, should be boycotted, right? And, and Kanye West is a brand, and uh, it's, it's, it's your right to, to, to withhold from him, and I, I'd suggest that uh, should reprehensible behavior continue, then that's exactly what folks will do. Now, will they do it? I don't know. People, people really seem to, to not give a crap when it comes to things like fashion. You know what I mean? Especially where, you know, uh, products that are made overseas by, uh, by uh, um, children, you know, whatever that means to you, whether it's, you know, or, or, you know, products that are made, clothing that's made via slave labor. People don't really care. Just give me the, give me the name brand, whatever. And I think that's, that's too bad. We should look into those things. We should stop purchasing those things, you know. Uh, there's some other clips I wanted to play. I guess speaking of money, it's probably only right that we, we move on to this clip of uh, LL Cool J. This is a great one. I, I was really impressed with uh, with LL on this. This is in regard to a certain DJ speaking out, and, and uh, LL does not mention the DJ's name, nor will I. Uh, you could find it if you're looking for it online, however. But uh, LL Cool J had some things to say about a certain DJ in regard to this DJ saying that, um, that uh, how can you consider um, the progenitors of hip-hop or the old-school heroes of hip-hop, those who cre help create the culture, um, that they're they're not worthy of attention or praise uh, in regard to, in, to creating rap culture if they're not rich. And I think it's just baloney to say that, and, but I couldn't say it as eloquently as LL did here, so I want to play this clip again. This was Poked... Post, this was Poked... <laughs> this was posted to TikTok by LL Cool J himself. So this is LL Cool J uh, via TikTok uh, talking about uh, uh, hip hop in regards to the founding fathers and um, their their wealth in particular. You know that they again the founding fathers that uh, that may not have have made uh, as much money as say some of the. Um, uh, the hip-hop uh, stars of today, maybe the fellow that we were just speaking about. Okay, so here's LL Cool J talking about that, and I thought this was this was quite good. Here's LL Cool J. It came to my attention that a DJ, and um, I'm not going to say any names because I don't think it's necessary, a DJ basically said that um, a lot of the pioneers in hip-hop are, you know, they're dusty, or how can they be the pe person that... Um, you know, invented hip hop if uh, they don't have a lot of money. Let me explain something to you. Don't confuse someone's ability to develop a business model. Don't conflate. In other words, don't think just because somebody knows how to get money or fails to get money that they didn't make a contribution to the culture. No one discusses Miles Davis's bank account. We don't talk about John Coltrane's bank account. We don't talk about 
A lot of even rock musicians, a lot of them, we don't talk about their bank accounts. A lot of great country artists, we don't talk about their bank accounts. Um, this idea that you have to have money or else you don't have any value, it's a misinformed way of looking at the world and the culture. When hip-hop first started, there were no managers. There were no accountants that believed in it. Record companies didn't even believe in it. Nobody believed in it. How can you make a five-year plan or a ten-year plan on something that doesn't even exist yet, that people have never even heard of? So just because a couple of these guys and girls and people out here made songs and made music and made contributions to this culture, just because they weren't able to pile up millions or billions of dollars does not mean that they didn't make a contribution to this culture. That does not mean that they didn't do something. They created an industry that we all ate off of. They created an industry that you eat off of. When you go out there and you go monetize your brand, when you go monetize your brand, when you go get your, your whatever and do what you got to do to build your career, when you go out there and, and negotiate your deals and negotiate your checks and talk tough, guess what? That money, that bread, that food that you eating was created by those same people that you disrespected. Be glad that these pioneers help create this culture. And let's show them love. Let's elevate them. Let's celebrate them. That's why I started Rock the Bells. That's why I started this movement. So I wouldn't have to listen to, to foolish rhetoric about people that changed the world. These people changed the entire world. The whole planet runs on hip-hop culture right now. The whole planet. Every commercial. Every, the, 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 you know, everything you can think of. It's all about hip-hop. And there are people out there that started this thing, and I think that they deserve to be honored and respected. I'm going to leave it right there. I'm not going to say no names. I'm not going to say nothing foul. I'm not going to go at nobody's character. I'm just going to say, think before you speak. There you go. How about that, huh? I love that. I really do. I really do. I think he said he said it. He said it. So eloquently there, and uh, and uh, good for little Cool J not giving uh, uh, the DJ in question um, any kind of power by mentioning his name. But uh, I thought that was quite quite good. You, you know, it's so funny. Like there's so much in hip hop now. Well, I, sh I should say now in hip hop of the last you know twenty years has been so much about flaunting your money and whatnot. You think about like. Um, um, Bad Boy Records and and uh, and Sean Puffy Combs and everything and about you know talking about your exas you know exorbitant wealth and whatnot and but you know people forget that you know hip hop forty years ago in the eighties you know there was the you know hip hop was about you know the struggle and the, the, it was about rappers largely complaining about the struggle you know to to make ends meet you know. And, uh, and what life was like, you know, like, think about Run DMC's hard times, that says it all right there, gee, or the message, you know, Grandmaster Flash is the message, you know, I, I think, um, you know, I understand that, that pop culture is cyclical, and, and things that go one way for a time will eventually come back, and I have to imagine that at some point, things will, will roll back the other way, 
uh, to a point where, you know, um, rappers are, 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 are discussing other, other issues, you know, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's true that these, uh, these, um, these men and women that, that began hip hop, uh, you know, they, 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 they created something from nothing. I think there's, I think Ice-T called his documentary something from nothing, didn't he? Oh, there's a, there's a call. I gotta take that. I gotta, I gotta put the, the kibosh on that. That might come back in a moment. Um, I'm gonna try to play one more clip before I finish up here. This was another great one, and I, I think it's ending on a fun note. Uh, this is, um, this is, I, I have to assume from the early 90s, and it's a clip of, uh, it's a clip of Little Richard, on the Arsenio Hall show. I used to love the Arsenio Hall show. That was, it was basically, that was, that was my Johnny Carson. I was, I, I never watched Johnny Carson as a younger person. I grew up, you know, with uh, the Arsenio Hall show. All my, my favorite people were on that show. Um, and this is a clip I may have seen when I was a younger man. I don't recall, but it's a uh, little Richard uh, on uh, the Arsenio Hall show. And it's quite good. So you'll hear, Ar you'll hear little Richard speak and then you'll hear Arsenio for a minute. But uh, I thought it was a great clip, and uh, I love Little Richard again. Uh, in my mind, the embodiment of rock and roll. Here's here's Little Richard. Check this out. Okay, I should <laughs> should also mention uh, this was posted by Hell Yeah Playa on uh, TikTok. Here it is. Sorry about that. I just wanted to make sure to give credit to the person who posted this, found this clip, and posted it. Here is uh, Little Richard on Arsenio Hall, and uh, check it out. This is a, I assume again, early 90s, perhaps mid 90s. Little Richard. What nobody doing now? And I want to tell you something, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen of all races, that don't take this thing lightly. And you, you said, don't take it for granted because your freedom of being in jeopardy, they're, they're trying to stop your freedom. See, this country was built on freedom of speech. <laughs> I 
I love that clip. I love that clip. That was little Richard again on Arsenio Hall. I, I don't have a year for that. But uh, again, that was posted by uh, Hell Yeah Playa on TikTok, if you want to look it up. And the other, again, Charlemagne clip was posted by World of Whispers. And uh, LL Cool J was, again, posted from his own account. Uh, I really appreciate you folks listening in, and, and I was happy to share those clips. It was something that I thought, uh, three three clips that I was really enjoying and uh, wanted to share with you. I thought they were pretty important. Anyway, uh, I'm going to hand things over to our friend, Rachel, with the chart chat. Uh, here's Rachel from Des Moines with the chart chat. Take it away, Rachel. Thanks, Andy. Hello, and welcome back to Rachel's chart chat for another week. Thanks to everyone who listened last week. First off, to Jeffrey from the VJ Big Suit uh, Twitch, who kindly played many of the selections from last week's jam-packed segment on his Tuesday night show. And a huge thank you to Tavy, as always, but particularly for letting me know about the parody of Yes We Can Can called Mexican Can by Elvis, the Mexican Elvis, off his Boxing with God LP. As always, I really appreciate everyone who listens and tweets or messages me, follows a playlist, tells a friend, or whatever the music moves you to do. This week, we are taking a look at the Hot 100 from October 1st of 1977. The last time we were in 77 was August 6th, and then on the 16th, Elvis Presley passed away. At that time, his single, Way Down, was at number 31, and this week, it is at a peak of number 18. It was the King's last top 20 hit. Now, it surprised me that it only went to number 18. It did go to number one in Canada, UK, Ireland, and Austria, and it was a US country number one. But I know it's an apples to oranges comparison, but after John Lennon was killed, his current signal, just like starting over, went to number one. And Elvis would go on to have many more singles released posthumously, including the obligatory Elvis medley in 1982. Um, there's also a song this week at number 21 by Ronnie McDowell called The King Is Gone in its second week on the charts. Getting into the picks, at number 93, we have Hold On by Wild Cherry and they're known for Play That Funky Music. And I heard this one and I was kind of surprised it was them. Uh, I really like the sound, much more mature than that one. And uh, they had a few more appearances on the Hot 100, but Play That Funky Music was their only top 40 hit, uh, making them a classic one-hit wonder. This one, Hold On, would make it to number 61. At number 92 is Hold Tight by Vicki Sue Robinson. This would make it to number 67, and she's another sort of one-hit wonder. Her song is Turn the Beat Around, and Vicki Sue was from Harlem, New York. She was the daughter of a black Shakespearean actor father and white folk singer mother, and Vicki herself also was a stage and film actress in addition to being a singer. Uh, she did sang jingles, sang backup, she did all kinds of things. She's really worth reading up on. One thing I forgot to mention, only the album version of this is available on Spotify. I couldn't even find a single version on YouTube. I think the album version is good. It just goes on a little long, which is why I might like to try to find a single of it sometime. And then just for fun, I wanted to point out that so we had Hold On, Hold Tight, and then on the 81 chart, Hold On Tight by ELO is at number 10. Uh, number 88 is Your Smiling Face by James Taylor, and this would eventually make it to number 20. And I had to blame my super good headphones for this because the music of this song was really sounding good to me. Not normally a James Taylor fan, but I really dug this one looked uh, up and he had some great uh, session musicians on the track. On this song you have Leland Sklar on bass and Russ Kunkel on drums. Those are both names you see sometimes on the Yacht or Nyat website for their uh, uh, session work. And the lyrics are a little corny but I think that's really how you feel when you really love someone. Uh, at number 47 
is a live version of I Just Want to Make Love to You by Foghat. And I'm putting this on there as an admission of my own ignorance. Uh, when I built out the playlist, I had included the album version, and I didn't realize that was from 72, and this was a, obviously a live version from 77. And the live version, so my choice to include it was based on the studio version. I don't, I think I always like, maybe like most people, I like whichever version I hear first, but this live version made it all the way to number 33. I think maybe Foghat was just more popular at this point than when that other one originally came out. I don't know. But uh, we'll talk more about that next week. At number 22 is Sign, Seal, Delivered, I'm Yours by Peter Frampton. Uh, this will make it to number 13. This, of course, is a Stevie Wonder cover. And uh, this was off of uh, Peter's I'm In You album, which I'm sure many crate diggers are familiar with. Uh, you know, it's Frampton Comes Alive was this huge smash, then I'm In You was the follow-up. People didn't really take to it as much, but I really like this cover, and I'm notoriously pretty hard on white artists covering Motown songs, but I really like what he did with this one. Um, and as we switch over to the 80s, I wanted to share another weird parallel between the 77 and 81 charts. Uh, they both have the initial appearance by a song that would come back in a much bigger way later. Uh, in 1977, Charlene's I've Never Been To Me was at number 98, and it only got one spot higher, and Charlene actually quit the music biz and moved to the UK. But in 1982, a Tampa DJ resurrected the single, and it caught on, and it went to number three. And she actually got a new contract out of it. Meanwhile, here in 1981, Billy and the Beaters were stuck at number 79 with their song At This Moment, which would go on to be used in the show Family Ties as the love song for Alex P. Keaton and his girlfriend Ellen. And Ellen was played by Michael J. Fox's future wife. Tracy Pollan. It was used in three different episodes in 1985 and 86. After it was popular from the show, Rhino, the label, reissued the single and it went to number one in the U.S. and Canada in early 1987. And I read a great quote on the Wikipedia page for the song that says, in an interview with Rachel Ray in 2007, Michael J. Fox good-naturedly said, Tracy and I couldn't get on the dance floor anywhere in the world in the first 10 years of our marriage without them playing What Did You Think? I'm not going to try to sing it, but you, I think everybody knows this one. I think it ended up being a pretty big song. The chart picks from 81, starting off at number 71, is Promises in the Dark by Pat Benatar. And I read on Wikipedia this was written by Pat and her husband, Neil Girardo. And it commented that that was a rare uh, composition of his or theirs that was a hit for her. And I was kind of surprised to read that. And then I went through and looked at the credits of her big songs and it was all written by other songwriters and when I listened to this one I really like it but it feels kind of Jim Steinman-esque and I saw that there was another um, We Live for Love was also a Gerardo composition so I think maybe I just like I like all of her stuff but maybe it's, his stuff speaks to me a little more. Promises in the Dark would make it to number 38 just barely cracking the top 40. And just a quick correction that's Neil Giraldo with an L and I will take the L for mispronouncing his name. Apologies. At number 55 is Billy Squire with In the Dark. And this will make it to number 35. I include that in the dark so I can also include Lonely is the Night, which I was really surprised did not officially release as a single in the U.S. Um, it was the B-side of In the Dark in the U.K. And Lonely is the Night, I think, really went on to be a staple of classic rock radio. I really like it a lot. I think it might even be, I might like it more than In the Dark, but just kind of, I really dig this kind of pop rock sound that was happening a lot at the time. At number 52 is a group called Diesel from the Netherlands with their song Sausalito's Summer Night. 
This would make it to number 25. It was number one in Canada and strangely, strangely only number 33 in their home country. And this song was written, uh, co-written with their guitarist and lyricist Mark Boone. And I read that he had actually lived in California from age 11 to 16. Um, which is funny because when you listen to it, you could very easily believe it was written by Europeans that had never been to the United States at all. But here we had someone that lived there as a teenager, so he could bring those experiences to it. This is another one. Like when I heard it, it just as an adult, it had that feeling of like, oh, I've heard this before. But it's just it's just a lot of fun. I really like it. And maybe it's good to listen to on a road trip, too. At number 26 is Trying to Live My Life Without You by Bob Seger. This is off of another live album from him, Nine Tonight. And this is a rock and soul song. It was originally done by Otis Clay, uh, written by Eugene Frank Williams. The original version was from 73, and it made it to number 24 on the soul chart, but it was only bubbling under on the pop chart. And when Bob Seger, when it's, he's performing this live, and he introduces it by saying it's a Memphis song. And this is a number five hit. And uh, finally, from 81 is Little River Band at number 14 with their song The Night Owls. This will make it to number six. Uh, Little River Band are an Australian group, and this is a little heavier sound, at least compared to more of their well-known singles. Um, I, to me, it sounds a little bit like It's a Long Way There from 76. Uh, I read that Little River Band have a total of four top 10 US singles. Uh, reminiscing, Lady, and Lonesome Loser. So if you know those, a little more on the lighter side, just a little heavier. Recently, I saw a tweet from Dave Davies from The Kinks, and he was talking about you know, this CCR documentary he was watching, and he said, what about these other American groups like The Band or Little Feet? And because I can't read, I thought he said Little River Band, and I was so excited about someone cool that was talking up Little River Band, I forgot how to read and forgot he really said Little Feet, who I do love as well. Um, but I think Little River Band get a bad rap. I don't, I don't really know. Well, that's all from me this week. Thanks so much for listening. Back to you, Andy. Thank you, Rachel. Awesome stuff. Boy, what a difference between the songs on the 1977 chart and the 1981 chart, huh? Imagine if you started high school in 1977, you know, the year Elvis passed, and then you graduated in, in high school in 1981. You know, the, the pop culture landscape would have looked completely different, at least in America. You know, you got the rise of punk rock, and, you know, you got all sorts of new wave and, and new pop coming in, and hard rock. Wow, man. Incredible. Incredible how the culture shifts. And I guess that's to be attributed to the passing of, of Elvis, I assume. You know, I was, just a, I was just a little guy then, so I don't recall. But, uh, by the way, if you, if you get a chance to see that Elvis movie... Uh, check it out. It's it's well worth your time. I am not a fan of Baz Luhrmann in particular, but it's it's uh, he does a great job. I think Elvis was a good subject for him and his style of filmmaking. This has been episode 249 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascoli. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you, Rachel from Des Moines. We love you. Peace. <laughs>